This is the other side of midnight on 77 WABC. I'm Frank Morano. Well, there's still something just so exciting about opening day. If you're a baseball fan, whether an enthusiastic baseball fan or a casual baseball fan, there's just something about opening day which has you brimming with optimism. Your team at the end of opening day is either going to be undefeated or only one game out of first place. <laughs> it's, it's it's the first time that you get to see a lot of these hot prospects it's the first time that you get to kind of shake off those wintertime baseball withdrawal blues. And I can't think of a better person to break down opening day in our area and in baseball in general with than the world's greatest sportscaster, longtime T- TV and radio sportscasting veteran, the one and only Warner Wolf. Uh, Warner, how are you, my friend? It's great to talk with you. All right. I, uh, I accept the nomination. <laughs> <laughs> Thank uh, you for that that build up. <laughs> uh, well, don't let us down now. That's always the uh, that's always the trick. How um how does the excitement of opening day these days compared to when you were growing up watching the Washington Senators many years ago? Do you think baseball's lost anything uh from 30, 40, 50 years ago or is opening day still just as exciting, just as compelling for baseball fans? For me it's not as exciting. And I'll tell you why. Uh, Number one, when I was growing up, Washington, the Washington senators, the original Washington senators, they had been there since uh, 1901. They were the only game being played. No one else played on that day. They played by themselves. And the president of the United States always threw out the first ball. It was very exciting. Uh, By the way, the reason uh, the president doesn't throw out the first ball anymore is that the players, they put both teams on the field, and the president would throw the ball from the stands, and it wound up many times players would spike each other (laughs) trying to get the ball. So that's why today you just see uh, the president by himself on the mound throw to the catcher. So there's no injuries. But uh, in all honesty, Frank, uh, I've always felt that uh, opening day is overrated. Uh, It's only one game. You have 161 left. It doesn't matter what you do opening day. And the other thing is, well, you might get 50,000 people opening day. The second game probably only gets 10,000. (laughs) <laughs> so, you know, no, you know, I would say no, I, but go ahead, Frank. No, no, please go ahead. No, oh, for me growing up, uh, the most, and still is the most exciting opening day I've ever seen. You got to go back to 1953. Now that's, uh, let's see, 47, that's uh, 69, 71 years ago. <laughs> I was th- I was 13, but here was the deal: the world champion Yankees were the opposition. They were in town, and they were playing the lowly Senators, who had finished 17 games out. So this is Opening Day, April 1953. Well, the score was 3-3. I was at the game. The score was 3-3 in the bottom of the 10th inning. One man on. And I believe it was Allie Reynolds, 
who was great. You know, he was a starter and a reliever. He was pitching to Mickey Vernon, who was a two-time American League batting champion, and boom, he hit a two-run homer, and the Senators beat the Yanks 5-3. to three. And you would have thought that the Senators just won the World Series <laughs> rather than just one game. And get this, Frank, as Vernon is rounding the bases and the fans are standing and cheering, he's coming toward the plate, and all of a sudden, a Secret Service agent jumps on the field and says, come over here. President Eisenhower wants to shake your hand after you touch home plate. Oh, so, my. I mean, it was, I'll tell you, it was, that was the best opening day I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> One thing I've noticed, not just opening day, but sort of the early games at the beginning of the season, I remember going to school and sneaking in a transistor radio so that I could listen to the, the Mets and even the Yankees. These days, it seems there are so few day games at the beginning of the season, especially, and uh, that sort of that sort of habit of watching the game as soon as you get home from school or sneaking a radio into school to listen to the game on the radio it doesn't really it doesn't really exist anymore. Why did they move away from those early season daytime games? Oh, because television. There's more audience at night. Uh, there weren't that many enough people watching in the daytime. It's the same thing with the All-Star game. They always played in the daytime. But then they said, oh, look, wait a minute, we can get more TV people at night, as they do in the World Series. That was always played in the daytime. And like you, yes, I enjoyed it. Uh, I would run home from school and, and watch, uh, gosh, All-Star game, World Series, opening game. Sure, of course. That's a lost art. That's gone. They just turned it over to TV. Mm, it's uh, such a shame. Now, um, what are the big changes that are coming to baseball in general this year? We've been hearing a lot about the universal DH. We've been hearing a lot about uh, different rules that were experimented with with respect to extra inning games. I know in the minor leagues, they're experimenting with larger bases. If you're a major league baseball fan and you tune in to opening day today, what's going to be different than previous years? Well, let me just hit one thing, which I, I think is one of the worst rules in history. To start an extra inning game with a man on second, as they did last year, that's the worst rule there is. How can, You know, if, if that had been done, uh, you may never have seen a Carlton Fisk's home run in the 12th inning of mm. that 1975 World Series. Uh, that's maybe one of the most famous home runs in history. Or even Jeter's home run in the 2001 World Series, bottom of the 10th, maybe not. So I, I really, you know, what was wrong with an extra inning game? Get rid of that guy on second. I, I don't like that at all. So now, is that rule in, in place for this year, that extra inning rule? Yeah, they didn't. They, they had a chance to knock it out, and they didn't. So... Now, in terms of the universal DH, I know this was a big sticking point in negotiations between the players' union and the owners. Is that already starting this year? Is the National League yes. going to have the DH? Yeah. Uh, well, that, that, what's your take on that? Well, number one, uh, it's too bad for the uh, 
borderline player, say the, uh, oh, you're allowed 28 players now instead of 25. So the 28th player who might have had a shot on the roster, he's gone because you have the DH. They'll bring a, in a DH. It's new life for uh, an old-time player who can only hit and can't run. Uh, but, you know, I mean, you can argue that and say, well, who wants to see a pitcher hit, ground out? But, <clears throat> you know, I'm an old-timer. To me, it was exciting when the pitcher got a base hit, far and mm-hmm. few between. But, hey, hey, the pitcher got a base hit, and they bring out the warm-up jacket. <laughs> now, they're going to announce, just like they steal a page from the NFL, uh, the umpires – like on the NFL, they, you know, they stop the game on a replay and say uh, the play stands as is or uh, the play has been reversed, and here's why. They're going to do that in baseball. The umpires are going to stop and say to the fans in the ballpark, announce to the fans, and, of course, home TV, uh, the ruling on the field stands. The guy was safe at first or – the ruling has been overruled. The uh, right fielder dropped the ball. He trapped it. Well, so uh, I, I think that's interesting. <laughs> well, it's it certainly, I mean, look, it, we've seen a lot of games turn because of a poor decision by an umpire in one circumstance or another. It would seem yeah. to me that e- even though it removes an element of the human factor in the game, it would seem to me that is largely a positive. Do you disagree? Yeah, no, I agree with you. Yeah. Well, but, you know, there was always, you always got a kick out of, you know, fans booing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. But right. now they got, there can be no booing. It's either they're right or wrong. Okay, I guess yeah. that's what you want in the first place. But also, the last thing is they're going to have, uh, uh, the catcher's going to have a, 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 a in his hand, something where he punches up which pitch he wants the pitcher to throw, electronic deal, and the pitcher will have something in his cap where he hears it. And But also the center fielder, and I think the second baseman and shortstop will also have him in their head. Now I'm thinking, number one, suppose the catcher presses the wrong button <laughs> Right. And the pitcher throws the ball and he gets a home run. Oh, gee, I pressed the wrong button. (laughs) Oh, man. Number two, how soon do you think it'll be before a hacker comes in on the other team and they hack the signals from the catcher? You know that's going to happen sooner Uh, or later. it's a great point. It's a great point. We've seen yeah. uh, with the with the Astros cheating scandal and uh, yeah. with the Patriots in football that uh, a lot of these teams have no problem using uh, very sophisticated efforts at times to steal uh, signals yeah. or to steal plays or things of that nature. W- what about the playoff structure, Warner? I know there was a lot of talk about expanding the number of teams that were going to make the playoffs. Has that changed for this season? Didn't they uh, add one more team uh, to each that, league? That was my understanding. I, yeah. I'm not sure if it takes effect this year or uh, or not. I mean, I, on the one hand, it, it does potentially water down the folks that yes. make it. Uh, 
On the other hand, I guess it keeps a lot of teams in it longer than they otherwise would be. Yeah, well, I would say just put an asterisk there. If you if you don't have a winning season, if you're not playing over 500 ball, you shouldn't be able to qualify. No, get out. <laughs> I don't want to see you in there. And by the way, uh, with that signal business, mm-hmm. I had another thought. If the center fielder knows which pitch is coming, let's say uh, it's it's going to be an outside pitch, well, and it's a uh, right-handed batter, say, well, he's he's going to know in advance he's going to shade toward uh, right center for a, a jump on the ball. Well, is that is that right? I mean, that's a, that's a form of Cheating. I I thought that the uh, you know especially after the Giants used the telescope and a buzzer, and then you had the Astros that you weren't supposed to use any. Everything's legal. You can steal signs, but you can't use anything uh, electrical or technical. But here they're doing it. So I I don't know. I, I don't like that. Just give Would the that signal is- to. What's that? No, I, I no, no. I mean, I, I certainly agree with you. I, I can't see a lot of these ball players wanting to have all these electronics in their cap and having a button that you have to press. Uh, I don't know what's been wrong with the way that we've been doing it for a hundred years, but uh, I guess that's why I'm not uh, not part of the the baseball commissioner's staff. Um, would that replay situation that you alluded to earlier? Would that apply to the controversial check swing that uh, that that the Giants dealt with last year, the San Francisco Giants, in that very controversial end, whether oh. there was debate about whether the player checked his swing or not? I would hope so. It should. It can't just be uh, safe, out, fair, foul, or uh, did the ball go in the stands or not. I would think they'd have to use it for things like that. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. Did he go around or not? Yeah. Yeah. Now, Warner, I think a lot of us who grew up watching you and listening to you on the radio, we always picture you on radio or on television talking about sports with your uh, patented catchphrases like, let's go to the videotape, give me a break, so on and so forth. When did commenting on, when was that something that you knew that you wanted to pursue professionally? Oh, that's a, well, uh, I was a kid. I'm, you know, I was a youngster, and I, I used to say to myself, "Well, wait a minute, that's not right," or "Why would he do that?" So I think I was always, uh, whether you want to call it second, second guess, or observing uh, what's normally. And and by the time I uh, <clears throat> went to college, I was on the radio station WAMU in. American University in Washington. I was already doing that. And then, of course, uh, my first radio job uh, was in Pikeville, Kentucky. And uh, I would I would do it. Although, uh, I, you know, when you start in a small station, you're, you're, you do the news, the weather, sure. uh, the sports, obituary shows, everything. So I, <laughs> every time I would give... Uh, an opinion on sports, the general manager would come in and say, Warner, nobody cares about that. (laughs) (laughs) I remember I told him once, uh, Mickey Vernon, we talked about earlier, 
became the manager of the expansion senators. And I, it was 1961. And uh, they were not a very good team. You know, they, they picked draft choices from other teams. And they were, they were almost 500 ball uh, midway through the season. And I said, man, what a, what a managerial job. I said, this is terrific. And I went on. <laughs> and he, he came barging through the door, the general manager. He says, Warren, this is Pikeville, Kentucky. Nobody cares about the Washington Senators. <laughs> <laughs> now, that team, uh, the 1961 expansion Senators, that's the team that eventually became the Texas Rangers, right? Well, no. No, they first. Oh, wait a minute. Now I've got, yes, the old, the real senators, uh, you know, till 1960. I mean, that's the real senators, uh, which I grew up watching. They left in 1960 and went to Minnesota and became the Minnesota Twins. Then, you're right, the, they gave Washington an expansion team, and they lasted until 1971. And then they moved to Texas. So we had three different teams. You know, if you look at it that way, it's uh, I always felt bad. The Dodgers and Giants left Brooklyn and New York. But, hey, we uh, <clears throat> we lost the uh, same team. One went to Minnesota. Then the expansion team came, and they went to Texas. So, gosh, that's really horrible. Yeah. Hey, I've you got know, a trivia it, opening day. I'm ready. Well, Opening day trivia question. Only one, this is opening day, only one time in the history of baseball did the batting averages of one team not change. Uh, Well, that was when Bob Feller threw the only opening day no-hitter in history. I don't remember what team he did it against, but... White Sox. (laughs) All right, so I wouldn't have gotten the White Sox, but I knew it was Bob Feller. Very good, Frank. Very good. Thank You're you. on your game. Thank you. Uh, thank you. I'm trying. Um, you know, I know a lot of the old uh, baseball stuff a lot better than I know some of the present day uh, baseball <laughs> stuff. Uh, a couple of quick questions before I let you go, Warner, and I appreciate you being so generous with your time. Sure. But um, th- there were a lot of. To, I've got nothing else to do, Frank. What? <laughs> I, I hear that's what happens once you move to Florida. Yeah. Oh, I love it here. Oh, man. I play. You know what the big thing is? Pickleball. Oh, you know, I, I've been trying. I'm a big ping pong fan, and I've been wanting to try pickleball. I haven't played it yet. Is it as fun as everybody says? Yes. It is the most uh, participating participating sport it is the biggest participating sport in the united states right now they're talking about maybe even adding it to the olympics could you see that sure they, they world championships are here in naples man you, you see the thing is everybody can play the age even if you can't run you can still play pickleball it's a combination of like you say a ping pong racquetball, uh, tennis, and it just throws it all into one. It's a terrific game. I play uh, five days a week, Monday through Friday. Wow. 
Yeah. Wow. Uh, no, I, uh, that sounds like a lot of fun. I can't wait to play. In terms of the baseball season this year, uh, there are all the COVID restrictions um, pretty much gone these days? Is it going to be no. a, a conventional baseball season the way a lot of fans are used to seeing it go? No. The Yankees have uh, 10 games in Toronto. 10 games. So any player that hasn't been vaccinated, not only will they not play, they're not going to get paid. They're going to lose 10-game salary. I mean, that's a lot of money to some of those guys. So unless they say, you know what, uh, that's too much money, I'll, I'll take a shot. <clears throat> By the way, I've had four shots, booster shots. Four, I'm up to- I'm up to three, so you're you're one, you're one ahead of me. Yeah. Uh, we're talking with legendary sportscaster Warner Wolf. All right, uh, the Mets are playing in Washington today, not the Senators, but the Nationals. Uh, what's your take? I mean, every year it seems like the same situation for those of us that are Mets fans. We begin the season with a lot of optimism, and <laughs> then there's always some injuries which cause our, our balloon to be popped. This season, it's Jacob deGrom and Max Scherzer. Yeah. Um would you be optimistic if you were a Mets fan at this point? Uh, well, obviously not as optimistic as I was. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, gosh, you're talking about two of the best pitchers in baseball, not only on the Mets, but in baseball, American League and National League. I mean, you, you, what is it, five Cy Young Awards between the two of them? And, I mean, you could go out there, if they were healthy, uh, you'd have a you'd have a chance to see a no hitter. Now you can't say that about uh, a lot of pitchers, but gosh, if they're not healthy, no, <laughs> you know because all the teams improved. Phillies improved, right? The Braves, goodness, um, no, they they'd have a tough time without those two guys. So that that mm. that's strictly uh, up the air in the air, you know. If they're healthy, great. If not, no. Yeah. Uh, what do you see as the big pitfall uh, for the Mets this year? In recent years, a lot of it has had to do with middle relief. Do you see that still being an Achilles heel for them? Well, not only middle relief. How about a closer? I mean, we get all, mm. these, all these names always come in and they blow blow the save. Poor, poor DeGrom. I mean, I think, oh, my gosh. How many games did they – he either blew, he had the lead, or he, they blew the they blew the lead, and uh, when you know, it's just he he just deserved a much better has always. I, better record. No, he, he he couldn't catch a break. I mean, I don't know of a Cy Young winner twice that won that few games and still yeah. won the Cy Young. Uh, and to your point, I think that's exactly right. So fingers crossed for those of us that are, uh, that are Met fans. Now I know the Yankees are rained out today, but how do you think the Yankees season looks? Well, I'm looking at it, all this hoopla hoopla. They really have one bonafide starter, right? Garrett Cole. Who Who's mm-hmm. next? I mean, he, sure. Yeah, they're okay. Severino, Montgomery is who who knows what those got? No, that's to me that's a question mark. Uh, no, I I wouldn't uh, say. Oh yeah, the Yankees. Hey, sure they can hit, but you know pitching is the game. Or good pitching always beats good hitting. So. 
when you talk about good hitting, I don't think there's a better hitter in the history of Major League Baseball than uh, than the splendid splinter, Ted Williams. And I, I was reminded of Ted Williams listening to you talking about the expansion senators. I think towards the end of their tenure in Washington, he was actually the manager of that team and then managed the Texas Rangers. He never really seemed to have the same sort of success as a manager that he did as a player. And we see that a lot. We see a lot of players that uh, are stars that try to manage that clearly have a very good head for baseball, but they're not necessarily able to translate that uh, success as a player to success as a manager. Why do you think some players uh, tend to make better managers than others? Well, number one, he was, by the way, to me, he was the greatest hitter of all time. Uh, the greatest all-around player of all time for me was Willie Mays. <laughs> Except 1956 when Mickey Mantle won the Triple Crown. <laughs> but uh, sure. I think the reason, Frank, uh, they can't understand what came I don't want to say easy to them because it didn't come easy. It took hours and hours of practice. But what came easier to them, they couldn't understand, how come you can't do this? How come you can't pick this up? And they they lose their patience. Uh, the other thing, you know, if you're an outfielder like uh, Williams, you don't really know pitchers. You don't know. But if you're a catcher, that's why many, most, I think if you took a survey, most managers were ex-catchers because the whole game is in front of them. They see the whole game and obviously manage the pitchers as when they're catchers. But they, they have a different view. That's why they make good managers. If you're a catcher, you, you have a big advantage. By the way, I'll tell you one quick Ted Williams story. So spring training, and he's he just has no patience. And all of a sudden, I think he had to be uh, in his 50s. Oh, he had to be. He takes off his jersey and goes to the plate, picks up a bat, and t and I, I can't remember who was speaking. He says, "Come on, give me your best stuff." Now, granted, the the you know the distance in spring training they're usually shorter than uh, the major leagues, uh, unless it's Fenway Park. But he's hitting uh, to right field. Frank, he hit the wall four times, hit three balls over the fence, and hit line drives the rest of the time. Wow. I wow. mean, it was if you had been there, and it was after the game. I mean, it was wow, wow! Look at this guy; he could still hit. I wonder if he would have uh, been a designated hitter. <laughs> oh, I, I, he might have played another ten years. And one wonders what his records would have been like had he not lost five years oh. to military service. I mean, That's he could right. have broken every record there was. Um, yeah. You know, you mentioned Ted. Will, uh, you mentioned Willie Mays, uh, his godfather, of course, or he is the godfather to Barry Bonds, who has yeah. won 
more MVPs than any Major League Baseball player in history. And this was a recent source of uh, contention. We spoke about it here on the radio. Both Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens still not in the Hall of Fame, probably because of the very serious allegations that they used performance-enhancing drugs. What is your take on whether players like Clemens, Bonds, McGuire, people who used performance-enhancing drugs and played very, very well, whether they should be in the Hall of Fame or not? No. No. They should. They cheated. The one word comes right out. Cheated. I remember I asked Hank Aaron. I I remember that. I edited edited that interview for you 18 years ago. And he said, yes, it's a form of cheating. Uh, And now here's another point. I think it's very important. Bonds hurt especially borderline pitchers who might have stayed around. They went to the minor leagues or that was the end of their career. How many pitchers did he cheat, uh, you know, with his home runs and cause the pitcher to lose his career? On the other hand, Clemens, how many hitters did he send down to the minor leagues cheating? No. So it wasn't only they cheated. They cheated other batters. That's the way I look at it. That's that's a great point, something I hadn't thought of. How is your one-man mission going to get the foul pole renamed the fair pole? (laughs) It should. Well, I'll say it again. If the ball hits the pole, is it a fair ball or a foul ball? It's fair. It's a home run. then Then it's the fair ball, a fair pole. It's the fair pole. How can it be called the foul pole? If the ball hits the pole, and it's a fair ball, change it. It's the fair I, pole. I, uh, I have the same, agreed same with thing with the with the line. How can it be the foul line? If the ball hits the line, it's a fair ball. It's the fair line. That's it. I, I've agreed with you since the first moment that I heard you say that. Uh, I know the NBA season is coming to a close for the area basketball teams, Knicks and uh, and Nets. How does it look for them in terms of the playoff picture? Uh, should uh, New York area basketball fans be excited? Frank, you're asking the wrong guy. <laughs> I, haven't, I, I haven't watched an NBA game. I would say... I don't know how many years, because all I see are dunks and three-pointers. Dunks, three-pointers. There's no moving the ball, hit the open man, uh, passing. No. And that's what I grew up on. I don't want to watch something where it's just turned into three-pointers and dunks. You know, I often wonder uh, how many more points – a guy like uh, Oscar Robertson would have had if there were three pointers or, or, or Jerry West famous. Uh, you remember that uh, 60 foot shot against the Knicks in the playoffs that would have won the game instead of sending it in over overtime, the Lakers lost. No. So you have to t- turn 
take me out of the uh, deal when it comes to the NBA. <laughs> uh, fair enough. My knowledge of uh, the NBA these days is is less than zero. I thought I'd th- throw the basketball fans in our audience a bone. Finally, Warner, I've also always been impressed with your movie reviews, and uh, I always thought you had an interesting take on uh, a, your you, your reviews of movies that you were seeing. Anything that you've seen lately that you think is particularly noteworthy that people should check out? You know, I I have to tell you, Frank, like you say, I was the biggest movie fan in the world. I went to the movies like three three times a week. I remember. I would say in the last two years, I've been to two movies. One, I had to see the uh, James Bond movie, the last one, where I think he gets killed, <laughs> although we'll never know. And the other, I was so curious because it was a sports movie, and it was true. It was the story uh, of Kurt Warner. I think it's called, uh, now I can't remember the name of it, but... Uh, I, it, I think it's America. That's it. If if that wasn't a true story, and it came, people say, oh, come on, get out of here. That couldn't happen. I mean, this guy was out of football. He was uh, in a, working in a grocery store uh, filling boxes, and uh, all of a sudden he gets a break in the what was it the uh, arena football. So he says, "I only arena football, you know." So 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 he plays. Nobody wants to draft him except one guy, and. Uh, it's the Rams' turn to draft, and the offensive coordinator says, ah, "What are you kidding? Arena football? I don't, I don't like him at all." Dick Vermeil, coach of the Rams, says, "You know what? I've been out of football for uh, 14 years. There's something about this guy I like." And they all said, you got to be kidding. You're going to waste a draft choice on this guy? No. He said, yes, I'm overruling you all. Well, he wins the MVP, takes him to the Super Bowl. I mean, who would believe this story? Nobody. It's a, I thought, man, wow. So those are the only uh, yeah, two I movies s- I've seen. I see a lot of I- Netflix movies. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's uh, what a lot of people have been doing over the last few years with the pandemic is just watching movies home rather than uh, rather than uh, going to the theater. Yeah. And uh, anything anything on Netflix that particularly that particularly strikes your fancy. Uh, you know what? The problem is I can't remember the names. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I go through the same thing. Believe me, <laughs> Warner. Uh, oh, um, I'll tell it you is, one thing. The worst. Yeah. I had to turn it off. How is this picture ever nominated for Best Picture, Power of the Dogs? Now, he's a great it's, actor, uh, Cumberbatch, but that that was awful. The, I haven't met not, anybody that, that that something, you know, something was uh, under the table there. That made no sense. <laughs> no, it's certainly not a... It's certainly not a movie to watch if you're feeling the least bit drowsy, that's for sure. No. Um, uh, Warner, I, I got. I have to uh, run. I could talk with you all day. I hope we can do this again soon. It's a real treat to talk with you, my friend. I miss you. Uh, all right, Frank. You take care now. You've come a Thank long you. way, Frank. 
All right. Hey, well, Take care. Thank you, Warner. Right. Appreciate it. If you want to All comment right. on any portion of my conversation with Warner Wolf, give me a call. 1-800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. Straight ahead.